0: It warm enough for you we can put the heating on if you're not <laughs> yeah or a blanket yeah or a hat <laughs> okay so this week uh the lord blessed me with four prophetic words um so one of them was about rishi sunak and how uh, he him and his party were pretty much done for um how the economy was going to go down the pan and then i then had another one which was called the jenga block Prophecy where God was going to pull the block and it would all come crashing down. These are all great words, by the way, really encouraging. And and then I got this one, Awake, Awake, O Zion, and another one about the submarine, the uh, the Ocean's Gate Titan, and that was I released that a couple of days before um, they they discovered that it had crushed, uh, which is pretty much what the prophecy said. But it, it and that basically that that was a symbol of the increasing pressure that's going to be upon us as a nation, and then crunch. Uh, it'll all be over. So today, Awake, Awake, O Zion, is a prophecy I got the other day. I'm just going to read it out to you, and I'm just basically going to preach through it. I've already done part one this morning at another congregation, and I'm going to go through part two uh, now. Uh, so I'll just read it to you. Um, the primary scripture is Isaiah 52, verse 1, and it says, Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion, put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. Awake, awake, my beautiful one, my beautiful one. Time to arise from your slumber, sloth, and rest. Arise and shine, for your light has come, my people. It is time to stand up, as the Lord your God has stood up. Cannot you hear the sound in the camp? Can you not see the commotion? The Ark of the Covenant is on the move, and it's starting to be carried aloft. Therefore, arise, my people, rise, for my presence is returning to you. My power and strength is returning to you. Put on your priestly garments, my people. Put on your beautiful priestly robes. It's time to minister to the Lord your God. It's time for you to now consider this. Put on those ministering robes and do homage before me. Put down the things you have been doing and pay attention for the Ark of the Covenant is on the move. Don't let it pass you by unnoticed. Put down what you're doing and do homage before me. For my passing is coming and I am in the camp of my people. My church, my church, your garments are in tatters. You're wearing clothes that have long worn out. Your garments of old need to be thrown away. The ark of my presence will soon be passing by and you need to be ready for the passing of your great and mighty King who is coming. Sound the shofar, sound it loud for the ark is being taken out into the people of God. Listen to the voice of my shofars, the prophets, they are heralding my moving. Hear the sound of the shofars and perceive and understand. Is it a call for war? Is it a call for the camp to move? You will only know if you listen to the sound. Commotion is in the camp excitement is coming to the camp for the lord your god is on the move wake up change your soiled garments put on your priestly vestments bathe yourselves and make yourselves clean before me heed the sound of the shofars understand what is required for the camp and get ready to move the camp is about to move i am about to move and lead my people out get ready my people your time in the wilderness is at an end Do not gird for war in the armour of Saul in these days. No, put on your ephod and priestly garments, for this is your garments of war. Awake, my people, arise, for the ark of the covenant is on the move. So, uh, this morning I preached, just sort of broke that down, the first part of that. Uh, And so I'm going going to carry on now through the second part of that. Um, I appreciate it's hot and, uh, and stuff, so just do the best you can. If you all fall asleep, it's great, I don't mind. You can just you know listen to it later, or whatever. I fully understand. So, I wanna start with, um, where are we? So, put down the things you have been doing and pay attention for the ark of the covenant is on the move. Don't let it pass you by unnoticed. Put down what you're doing and do homage before me for my passing is coming and I am in the camp of my people. So it's put down the things you've been doing and pay attention. Uh, and the, the, the inference that I was getting is, you know, we can become so bogged down with absolutely nothing at all, can't we? are am we good at that? Just getting really busy with absolutely nothing. You know, I can't possibly come out today because I'm too busy. Doing what? Just stuff, you know, things. Uh, we can make our lives so absolutely busy about nothing. Uh, and, I, and I just feel God is saying that it's like, guys... It's time for us to put down our nothings and put down the things that, that, that are just really not that important. You see, we're coming into a time of seriousness now. We're, we are, I believe, at the cusp, and you know, you've been saying this for ages, Chris. Actually, I, I have been saying this for ages, but we are now in the beginning of it, and not only are you in the beginning of it, you can just switch on the news and see it, okay? You don't need anyone to preach to you to tell you that things are getting hotter and hotter and the pressure's rising, yeah? Amen. You can see that it's happening and it's not going to go away, unfortunately. You can't, you can't print money for 15 years and think that it's not going to devalue your currency and cause hyperinflation. Everybody knows that. The Germany, German, German did it. Germany did it back in the Second World War. Guess what happened? Hyperinflation. Zimbabwe did it. Guess what they had? Hyperinflation. You print money, no matter how clever you think you are with that, you will get hyperinflation. Okay, and we've been doing it for 15 years. So we got a lot coming. And it's put down the things that you've been doing and pay attention. I appreciate I'm starting straight in on this because obviously this morning was the first half, which kind of warmed you up to where you're at now. Um, but hopefully, you know, we just get past this little awkward bit here and we can get down some good stuff. Um, but put down the things that you've been doing and pay attention. And, and I, guess, I guess it's just we become so busy just doing things that really don't matter. Um, you know, we are on the precipice of something really important. And and now is the time to sow into the things spiritually. Now is the time to sow into the things of the kingdom. Now is the time because there's gonna come a moment when like that, forgive me for saying, but when that submarine imploded, it's, so, it's a suddenly moment. It's so sudden you don't, you just like you get no warning, bang, it's happened. And then it's too late. God wants his people to be strong. God wants his church to be strong in these days, not weak, not caught on the, on the back foot of this stuff. God doesn't want his people to be caught by surprise. And I have to tell you, it it really it breaks my heart because I know that as I say these words, uh, you know, and I know people outside of this church are listening, so I'm kind of primarily speaking to them. But you know, I am considered the village idiot of Christendom. To be honest, fair enough, it's a good title as any, I suppose. Uh, Village idiot? (laughs) Oh, that'll be me then. I'll be the village idiot. Okay, so I'm the village idiot of Christianity, and just keep saying the same things. And to see how many Christians are finally beginning to wake up is so slow and so few. You know, just so many churches are going to be caught when this avalanche comes and it's going to be so sudden and it's going to be so sad to see these things. As I said in this morning's talk, you know, and I've had this dream before many a time, but... The church is going to be in a place where she's going to cry out to God and say, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you warn me? And God will say, I did tell you. I did warn you. I told. I sent you prophets. I sent you these people. And I sent you this. And and even if you didn't want to listen to that, you could have just watched it on the evening news. But you still chose to ignore it and bury your head in the sand. And that's it. What can you do? I mean, how, how, how else can God say it, right? If God, you know, you think, and, and this is not unusual. I mean, read your Bible. How many times have there been prophets and people that have spoken up and said, guys, if you don't change and amend our ways, then these are the things that are going to happen. But the people just carried on and carried on and carried on. It's like, ah, the words of that prophet, especially Jeremiah, he's been banging on about this for ages. and It still hasn't happened yet. And then eventually history happens and it does happen. You know, it's, uh, it's in one of the Old Testament books, I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, I think it's Haggai, I think it is. But basically, you know, the prophet says, Hey guys, why is it that we are busy building our own panelled, cedared homes whilst the house of the Lord lies in tatters and lies in ruins? Uh, we're so busy doing our own thing that we're, we're failing to see because actually our actions are our words. If our actions, we can say we believe these things that are coming. We can absolutely and ab- genuinely f- believe it, but actually, if our actions do not mirror what our heart says, then unfortunately, we are double-minded. There's a disconnect between the reality of what we think we believe and actually what we really believe, because it's our actions which are the words which we speak with. Isn't that true? So, what? Oh, okay, trying to, be trying to be clever. So my church, my church. Your garments are in tatters. Your tatters. You're wearing clothes that have long worn out. Is anyone here feeling like really tired? That we've come a long way, and it's like. Man, I've been driving this truck for a long, old time, and, and we just we need some fresh wine, we need a fresh move of the Spirit of God, we need something fresh. Not, not something new so we can just run after the next new thing, but actually just something genuine of God. I mean, how many here are hungry for something genuine of God? Okay, now I got saved in the tail end of the charismatic renewal. So I, and I literally mean the tail end of it. It, What I saw of it lasted for two years before it got snuffed out completely. So what I experienced was the tail end. It was as it was dying out. Okay, and it was powerful. I saw things then in my last two, in those two years of when I first got saved, that I still haven't seen in today's church. And that was the tail end of the charismatic renewal. Okay, and that's just a renewal. That's not a revival. Okay. God wants to do something wonderful in his church in these days, but we have to be in a place where where we're open to receive that. Many years ago, uh, God gave me this dream about uh, this motorway. And it was an old, tired, worn out motorway, but all these trucks and all these cars just zooming down this motorway. And for some reason, I was riding a push bike. All these cars going right past me and stuff. And as I was riding down on my push bike, I saw there was a gap in the motorway side where you could come up. Well, it's not really an official path. It was just like a, a break in the in the road. So I, I came off and I was stood at come to the end of this road, but there was a big cliff drop. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you need to walk in the ancient paths. Uh, and I was like, what is that? He said, you need to take a step of faith and just take that leap. Well, on my bike, yeah. So as I just tipped the bike off the edge of this cliff, suddenly all of these random hills suddenly lined up and it became a bridge that you couldn't see unless you took the step of faith and then it appeared and then my bike and me we traveled on and it took me to places where the motorway no longer goes and so god was saying you can't go down that highway anymore the highway worked for the last 30 odd years where church has been doing it this way we've been doing it that way where god is going it's not that way anymore that's an old tired worn out motorway and god wants to come back to the ancient past he wants to take us to places where where we need to get to where that that that, the you know that the trendy way the way that everyone else has been doing it just isn't going to work anymore and we're wearing clothes and we're doing things that just don't work anymore there's things that we're trying to still do in christendom that just not working not yielding the fruits that it once did and it's time to throw it away now the ark of the covenant What is this prophecy about the Ark of the Covenant being carried aloft and brought out amongst the people? What what does this mean? It's Old Old Testament language. Now in the Psalms, you get uh, some Psalms that say, uh, Lord, rouse yourself up, rise up, O Lord. And it's basically what happened is when the priests would carry the Ark of the Covenant and they would hold it aloft. And so it would be, rise up, rise up, O Lord. And so the Lord would go out into battle, behead of the soldiers and stuff, and the priests would be the ones that would carry it aloft. Well, God, I believe now, is starting to rise up. But the problem is, is a lot of Christians are too distracted and too busy looking here and looking at this and and, and being divisive and doing, and I just want to do this and I want to do my own thing and I want to have my own ministry and I want to set up my own thing and I want to do this and I want to do this. Me, 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 and I want to be famous and I want to be this and I want to be that. It's like, guys, we've got to take our attention off ourselves and we've got to take our attention to what matters because the Ark of the Covenant is coming and we need to be ready and have our focus on him, not on ourselves or our own agendas or our own life or what I want to do or my calling or my ministry. We need to lay all those things down. And we, we need to lay them down and we need to bow down before the presence of the King. And we have to say, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. Because God is about to move in his midst amongst his people. And when God moves amongst his people, it's it's a a wonderful thing, but it's a frightening thing. And it's got to take off those old garments. Because they're no good anymore. They're tired. They're worn out. But what we need to do is put on our priestly garments. Now, I've said this time and time again from the pulpit, that actually your primary ministry as Christians is not to tell everyone about Jesus. Do you know that? You are first and foremost a a, a holy nation and a kingdom of priests. So your primary ministry is to God, not to man. Evangelism is a consequence and a response from the heart place of being in intimacy with God. You come out from that place and you have his heart and you have his fire and you've spent time in intercession. you spent time praying and seeking the Lord's face and calling out that his spirit might move on this nation. But you see, if you want to see revival and if we want to see people getting saved, then we must be in a place where we're first and foremost sat before the King of Kings. Because nothing gets done unless we're in the throne room. But unfortunately, the church models of today is let's just be busy for Jesus. Isn't it? Well, let's, let's do another program. Let's do another thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But more often than not, you ask the question, how much prayer has gone into that? Well, not much. God will bless it if he wants to. It doesn't work like that. You've got to put the time in. And so we've got to take off those old tatty garments and we've got to put on our priestly garments, our priestly robes, because we are priests. I mean, you might think, well, what does that even mean? What does it look like? Well, things like worship, prayer, fasting, holiness. You know, you and I have something to do, which we can do that no one else can do. It says in Romans 12, lay down your lives as a living sacrifice. The only people that can offer sacrifices are the priests. Jesus, the ultimate high priest, according to uh, Hebrews 7 and various other scriptures, he, as the high priest, laid down his own life as the sacrifice. And he calls us as priests, because he is the high priest, the chief priest, of which we are subservient as priests to him, I have to do likewise with our lives. We have to lay down our lives for our God. We have to lay down our lives for Christ. Hallelujah. Because, to quote an old film, what we do today will echo on into eternity. I I, I want to be ready. You know, Paul says that he, he, he makes himself fit. He pummels his body for the sake of the kingdom of God, that he may obtain a better resurrection. You know, all of us, we need to be in the word more, we need to be on our knees more, we need to be praying more, we need to be worshipping harder, we need to be interceding more, seeking God's face more, why? Because we need to get those muscles working, we need to get ourselves fit, so that when, when things start to change, and it's coming soon, that we're already beefed up and ready to go, amen, we're all fit, we can cope with it, rather than the Christian that's just got out beds, oh man, I can't keep up with you guys, I can't keep up, it's like, no, you've just got to have to keep up, you know what it's like when you're not, Fit and you have got to try and keep up with people You're like it's just making me sick. Stop! You just got to keep on, right? That's how it's going to be. Don't be one of those Christians that are so unfit that they just have to vomit every five minutes because they can't cope with the workload and the weight of it's coming. And there's a workload coming, brothers and sisters. Oh, the fields are ripe for harvest, but if only there were enough workers. And as usual, it's going to be the few that do all the work. Hallelujah! But this is not what God wants. He said He wants everybody to be involved in the farming and every. Everybody to be actively out there doing stuff and seeing people saved and seeing captives set free, casting out demons and raising the dead. Hallelujah. Please, please, I beg of you. Don't just leave it for me to do because I'm getting very tired. Hallelujah. It's like the farm as well. Tracy, she does loads of it. Me and Tracy and a few others. We're doing all the work in the heat of the day. Oh, and would you know why we're doing that field? We're not doing it for fun. We're not doing it because it's a great community project. We're doing it because prophetically we believe we need to provide the church with food in the days ahead. That's why we're doing it. So these last couple of years have been practice. We're now ready. We have spent £20,000 in food storage so that when the economic collapse happens, you guys have got some food to eat. Well, that's why we've got a field with growing food on it so that you've got food to eat when these things happen. We're not just sp- preaching semantics. We're not just saying this stuff and, oh, yes, we believe this and we believe this. We're actually actively trying to do it. Our job is to save you guys and protect you guys. Joseph was raised up to save Israel. He wasn't raised up to save Egypt. That was a consequence, a good consequence nevertheless. But he was raised up to save Egypt. No, so Israel. Israel. That's what he was there for. And you can't be super spiritual. You can't say, oh, Jesus, he'll provide. We just leave it all up to him and do nothing. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Oh, yes. Amen. Super spiritual Christianity is going to kill you if you're not careful. What did Joseph do? He didn't sit there and just, oh, praise the Lord. Jesus will provide. He knew that he had to do something and he did everything in his power to do it. But as his name implies, God will add that which is lacking so that when he'd done everything he could do in his own natural strength and resources, God would do the rest. You see, so yes, God will move supernaturally and powerfully, but we've got to do as much as we can, because if we don't, we will be caught out. And God doesn't want his church to be caught out. God wants you guys to prosper. God wants you guys to thrive not barely survive in the days ahead. You guys, every one of you here could be a, a leader of a house church in the days we're coming to. Who don't want to do it. Nobody cares what you want. But you could be what God tells you that you got to be. Hallelujah. Sound the shofar. Sound it loud for the ark is being taken into the people of God. Now, what is all this? Shofar, which is basically a Hebrew word for trumpet or a ram's horn. So, turn with me to Ezekiel chapter thirty-three. <sighs> of oh, course, warm, isn't it? Ezekiel thirty-three verses three to seven. Now, if if upon seeing the sword coming against the country, he blows the shofar, this is the watchman, and warns the people. Then if the sword comes and takes away someone who heard the sound of the shofar but paid no attention to it, the responsibility for that that person's death will be his own. Okay, Not the voice of the prophet. He heard the shofar but paid no attention, so the responsibility for his death is his own. Whereas if he had paid attention, he would have saved his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, so that the people who are not warned, and then the sword comes and takes any one of them, that one is, that, that one is indeed taken away in his guilt, but I will hold the watchman responsible for his death. In other words, if you hear the trumpet blowing, don't just say, well, that's a nice sound. Yeah, you've got to do something about it. But now, there's other scriptures you could write these down as well. Like, for example, Numbers chapter 10, verses 1 to 7. There's different types of trumpets and different types of trumpet blasts. So there's types of trumpets for, uh, you know, for example, like if the ark is on the move, or you know, or when the camp has to break down, or there's other sounds if there's war coming and stuff. Okay, but the people had to listen to the sound of those trumpets to know what they were supposed to do. And not just listen to them, but they had to know the sound of the trumpet to know that's a call for war, or that. Bear in mind a shofar just goes, mm-hmm. right? it doesn't have any n- nice little notes like our trumpets. So how they blew it and, how, and, and sort of the sounds they made with it would determine if this is a time to move or this is a time for war. And God wants us to be listening. God is speaking to his church really clearly, I think, in these days. Now, I make it my business not to listen to any other prophetic voices at all. Because in so doing, I don't feel like I'm being carried along by other ideas or concepts. But what I find encouraging is that... Because I don't want to be in an echo chamber hearing what we just want to hear. And so I try to keep, keep myself apart from all those other voices. But then in the process of doing that, I'm hearing through other people. More and more, the voices are all lining up and are saying the same thing over and over and over again. So the call is consistent. Now, commotions in the camp. Excitement is coming to the camp. For the Lord God is on the move. Wake up, change your garments and put on your priestly vestments. And it says here, bathe yourselves and make yourselves clean before me. So you have to bathe yourself in the old Jewish custom of a mikvah. Give yourself a nice bath and make yourself clean and pure before the Lord. Now, we know from scriptures such as Ephesians 5, verses 25 to 26, it says we can be washed. Uh, Well, let's have a look at it, actually. Let's just go there. Ephesians 5, 25 to 26, give you something to do. Ephesians five twenty-five to twenty-six. Good music, isn't it? <laughs> as for husbands, is this right? Ephesians five twenty-five twenty-six. Yeah. As for husbands, love your wives just as Messiah loved the Messianic community. Indeed, gave himself up on its behalf in order to set it apart for God, making it clean through immersion in the mikvah, so to speak, in order to present the community to himself as a bride to be proud of, uh, or washing with water, as other other things say. And that washing of water comes through the word of God. You've got to get into the word of God. You've got to be meditating on the word, and also be doers of the word. We don't get to question the word of God. Yes, I know what the Bible says, but... You you hear that one a lot. I remember when I was younger, um, some woman, young lady, she basically put on this evening about is euthanasia biblical or not? Uh, Obviously, she concluded, no, it's not biblical, but then went on to tell her, but my opinion is that you should do euthanasia, therefore dot, dot, dot. And that's the kind of Christianity that we don't want to be living. You know, I know what the Bible says, but I'm just going to do what I want to do. Yeah, this is what this woman said. She said, yeah, the Bible's not for euthanasia, but I think you should do euthanasia. I think it's a good thing. Okay, right, yeah. Until it's you, it's going to get euthanized. Okay. Uh, Another one, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. This This is a toughie, this one, eh? Do not. Uh, sorry, this is from verse 14 into chapter 7, verse 1. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through to 7, verse 1. And it says, Do not yoke yourselves together in a team with unbelievers, for how can righteousness and lawlessness be partners? What fellowship does light have with darkness? What harmony can there be between the Messiah and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement can there be between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God says... I will house myself in them. I will walk among you. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, Adonai says, go out from you at their midst. Separate yourselves. Don't even touch what's unclean. Then I myself will receive you. In fact, I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, uh, says Adonai of the heavenly hosts. Therefore, my dear friends, since we have these promises, let us purify ourselves from everything. Listen to this that can defile either body or spirit, and strive to complete completely holy out of reverence for God. Now, are there are Christians that say, no, you can't defile the flesh, and you can't defile the spirit. Well, I tend to disagree with you, because Paul says you can still be defiled in flesh and in spirit. Therefore, strive to be completely holy out of the reverence for God. In other words, out of a love and a reverential respect and honor and fear for the living God. Hallelujah. Because brothers and sisters, our God is a fearsome God. Now he loves you and he's your friend and he will be kind to you and dear to you. But do not forget that you live and serve and worship a God who is holy, who is coming back and he will rule the nations and he will tread down the unjust until their blood becomes like grapes and their neck deep in the blood in the valleys okay Jesus is coming back not as a nice fluffy lamb but as a ruling conquering king and he will judge the nations and so like it says in the book of revelation make clean your garments in the blood of the lamb hallelujah we've got to take these things seriously it's good to have a bit of fear of God in church again, isn't it? Yeah. Hallelujah. We're missing out on a bit of fear of the Lord. I don't get it. Why would we want the fear of the Lord? It's because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Hallelujah. If we can't even get that right, we're a bit dim. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Bathe yourselves, make yourselves clean. Heed the sound of the shofars. Heed the sound of the word of God in these days. Understand what is required for the camp and get ready to move out. I get a lot of people asking me, saying, So what should I do then? It's a good question, isn't it? What should we do? Um, That noise, by the way, is coming from a neighbor. She doesn't like the noisy church, so she's put a radio up there to give us a hard time. But you have to do better than that. Get a nice big, big, I mean, ghetto blaster or something. But just whatever. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray that you bless her. Bless her so much, Lord Jesus. Just bless that woman, Lord God, right now with your Holy Spirit. Lord, just overshadow her, overpower her, Lord God. Just fill her with your peace and fill her with your joy. And we just speak blessing on you in Jesus' name. We bless you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We bless you with salvation. And we bless you with the Spirit of God. Let it rest upon you. May you prophesy and sing songs and may you dance in the joy of the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So anyway. uh, Where were we? Yeah. So hear the word of God, and commotion is in the camp. Excitement is coming to the camp, because God is on the move. There are whisperings coming around. I don't know about you, but I can feel it. Can you feel it, that God is doing something different? I know some of you probably go, no, I can't feel anything. Trust me, it's there. It's in the air. And the thing is, it comes like a a breeze. I can't describe it. When we were around this lady's house a few weeks ago, and and God miraculously healed her arm, When I was in that room, I could sense in the air that God was just going to heal her. I didn't have to drum myself up to I didn't have to like, work myself into a faith frenzy. I just sensed and could smell almost the presence of God. And the wind was there to heal. And I am sensing more and more every day. His presence is starting to hover over this land. And you see, brothers and sisters... It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But we are children of the living God, so we can sense his presence. But for the unbeliever, it's going to be judgment before mercy. And that's why we as the church, we need to stand in the gap. If there's no one to stand in the gap, who will stay God's hand? It says that in Ezekiel. And you and I are the people that stay God's hand. But if we can't be, if we're not praying enough... Or we're just not doing our job as priests because we're too busy, I don't know, what's on TV tonight, love? And just spend hours and hours and hours on Candy Crush and Facebook and and doing this and doing that and going fishing and and playing football and looking at this and looking at that, and ooh, this is good. And it's just like wasting our lives. The Apostle Paul says, he pours out his life as a drink offering. And I I have to ask myself, and I'm asking everyone in this room, if your life is being poured out as a drink offering, how much of that really being poured out for Jesus and how much is being poured out for you you might think well Jesus doesn't mind I don't think he minded 20 years ago but I think the days in which we're coming into now there isn't really that kind of option because unfortunately brothers and sisters I can see Jesus right now he's handing out the guns yeah take a rifle have a rifle, have a rifle. But I'm not ready to fight. Tough. You've got a rifle. It's time. We've had we've had like 30 years of ease, sat down on our deck chairs, drinking pila canadas. But now it's time for war. Warfare. War. War. We're going to get ready to go fighting. I'm scared. I don't know how to fight. Good. Because you're going to learn how to fight. And you're going to learn really quickly how to fight. Because the day is now. Hallelujah. The day of reckoning has come for this nation. And God is calling for his church to rise up. Hallelujah. Not fall down and collapse under what's coming with everybody else we're supposed to be the answer to the problem we are the solution to this nation's suffering and problems but if we haven't even got our own act together how on earth are you going to be there for anybody else and this is why these messages are coming to us It's not because God's being harsh and wants to give us a good slap it's like guys it's time to get serious now, and it's time to just put down our nonsense and our things and our trinkets and our baubles and, and stuff that we'd like to do, but there's no time for that anymore. We're living in really serious times. I would say since the Second World War, we, are not, we have not come to a, a darkness that's over our land since that time. We have, I've not seen a darkness in this nation like we're seeing right now. And the thing is, most Christians don't even aware of it. That's what frightens me. That really, really frightens me that most Christians are, oh, I don't get it. What's the problem? Everything's fine. Everything is not fine. You know, when the most of the church, not most, but when a lot of the church is woke but not awake, that is really quite frightening. Get ready, my people. Your time in the wilderness is at an end. We have spent the last 30 odd years in a wilderness, have we not? And some be like, wait, we've seen some good things. Yeah, you have seen some pockets here and there, and God is being with us. And like Israel, when they were in the wilderness, God gave them manna from heaven. They saw the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day. They still saw wonderful signs and wonders. But if you read the book of Numbers, you will look at how big Israel was when they, when they went into the wilderness and how big they were when they left the wilderness. Guess what? They decreased in number. The wilderness is a harsh place. The church has decreased over the last 30 years okay i know for a fact that it has okay it's decreasing it's not increasing now don't get me wrong there god is doing things all around the world but in britain things are not good but hallelujah praise god our time in the wilderness is over i don't know why we were left in the wilderness i don't know why this all happens i don't know why god's spirit kind of just blew away and uh, and kind of just left us to carry on I mean he never abandoned us but it was being tough it's been hard but God is saying your time in the wilderness is at an end but you see when they went into the land of, of Israel what do you think that was just like a breeze in the park Whoo! come on guys let's just go into someone else's territory where everyone else is living and just boot them out excuse me we're here now off you go what do you think that's really how it went down again they all were like guys you've got to train for war because you are going to war now. You're out of the wilderness. You want that promised land? You fight for it. Now, God will be with you, but you have got to fight. You've got, well, can't I just stay at home tonight? And just do, no, 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 no. But can't I just, no. You need to be praying more. You need to be fasting more. You need to be laying down your lives more. You need to be taking serious. You're in a war. Put on your ephod, or your ephod, however you say it, and your priestly garments. What is an ephod? It was like, you know the high priest had this breastplate and on it had these 12 gemstones, but under the, the breastplate sat on top of, a, of an ephod, which was like a, a nice pretty kind of thing that went around him and on to, that went on top of his kind of long long garments. And, and a priestly ephod is, is a, it requires, it's basically a symbol of the ministry of intercession. Because that, that breastplate that the high priest wore they were the stones of the 12 tribes of Israel. And he also had them on his shoulders as well. Six tribes on each side on the stone had six names inscribed on each side. Why? Because on his heart was the intercession for the people. On his shoulders, he bore up the people of God as a high priest. But now the high priest has commissioned everyone in this room and everyone in all of Christendom. Hey, guys, it's not just me that's high priest anymore. You're a holy nation. You're all priests. Now you have to carry the burden on your shoulders and carry things aloft on your heart and intercede and supplicate and petition on behalf of your nation, hallelujah. Because that's the questions we need to be asking ourselves: How much, times, how much time am I actually supplicating and interceding on behalf of my nation? How often am I praying for kings and leaders of this nation? I don't like them. It doesn't matter. It doesn't say you can pray for them if you like them. It says you pray for them, irrespective of whether you like them. What about in Jeremiah, where it says they went off to Babylon? And what does it say? It says, pray for the peace of Babylon, that it may go well for them, that it may go well for you. no, I don't like Babylon. I don't like that king. He's a horrible king. I don't care. If you want it to go well for you, you better pray for them. Yeah. Hallelujah. Awake, my people, arise, for the Ark of the Covenant is on the move. Yes, this is a serious word. But at the same time, it's a joyous word. Because finally, saints, finally. Things are moving. Finally, and as we watch the TV screens and things get worse and worse and worse, and, shine, and as great darkness covers this land, arise and shine, church, for the light of God has come. And he is on his people. But we just need to be a people that are ready. We need to be a people that are strong. And we need to be a people that are valiant and bold for the kingdom of God. We need to be a people that will lay down our lives for our king and say, you know, that I can see this big line of people right now. Hallelujah, there's like thousands of people all down this line. And Jesus is saying, who will go forward for me? And like 10,000 moved backwards, and then there's a couple of us that didn't move at all, and we're all stood there. And it's like, oh, that'll be us then. Okay, God is looking. He doesn't want to use a remnant. He wants to use as many people as he can in these days. And just to know that it doesn't matter. You think, I'm, I'm too old, or I'm too young, or I'm too busy. It doesn't matter what you are, who you are, where you are. You are a priest unto God. And the very least thing you can do is start praying for your nation. The very least that you can do is start praising your God more and more. The very least that we can do is start, Start laying down our lives as a living sacrifice because it says in Romans 12 that's the least thing that you can do is to put yourself on the altar and uh, kill yourself that's the least thing you can do hallelujah amen are you excited about that isn't that great Because in death is life, hallelujah. And we want life in our Christianity. But we ain't getting it because we ain't dying. Because we're too afraid to die, hallelujah. Who's afraid to die? I'm afraid to die. I've done it twice. I don't like it. I don't want to die. But we have to die if we want to see the glory of God in our lives and in our churches. Amen. Amen.